Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Sidious Mag Podcast. I'm Chris Chavez, and this is my show where I get the chance to chat with some of the biggest names on the track, on the roads, within the coaching ranks, and across the running industry. This podcast feed is crushing right now. We've got loads of interviews coming. We covered the Milrose games with the pre-race show and then an emergency podcast with me and Kyle just jumping on the mic after all of the action wrapped up. So the feed is burning hot. A quick thanks to anyone who's taken the time to leave a little five-star review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify. Just last week, we managed to get this running podcast in the top 25 of all sports shows on Spotify in the top 40 of Apple Podcasts. We love giving the listeners a shout-out when they leave a review. If you do so, leave your Instagram handle, and I'll have a Sidious Mag sticker mailed out to you. The Sidious Cafe shirts are all gone, but I'll come up with some more giveaways soon. If you want your review to be read, leave us a five-star review and let us know why you love this podcast. This week's review comes to us from Cassandra Wass, who wrote, I love this podcast and track and field. My favorite thing about Sidious Mag is knowing there's a whole community of track nerds out there who get just as excited as me about really niche track and field and marathon things. And Sidious Mag brings that community together with their passion for the sport, their insight, inside jokes, top-notch interviews, and of course, their love for track and field. Thank you, Chris and Kyle, and the whole amazing team at Sidious. Keep up the great work. Thanks to Cassandra for those kind words. You nailed our mission. One of the coolest parts of the Milrose Games was hearing from people who said they bought really expensive tickets or traveled down to Orlando for the trials because of our coverage on the podcast or newsletter. I just love it when it converts to getting fans in seats. So share those stories with us as well. My guest for today's episode is Hobbs Kessler. We welcome him back onto the show since his first ever appearance back in June 2021 when he was still a high schooler out of Michigan making headlines for all of the fast times that he was dropping. Now he's a world champion in the road mile, the world record holder in the road mile, and he's fresh off a 348.66 mile personal best at the Milrose Games where he finished second in the Wanamaker Mile to Yard Nagoose. In this episode, we talk all about his training to get up until this point, how he's handled all of this fast success, and his mental approach to racing against the best. Hobbs will also be competing in the 1500 meters at the U.S. Indoor Track and Field Championships taking place this weekend in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So watch out for him as he lines up against some of the best American milers in the country in what could be a preview for this summer's Olympic trials. So without further ado, welcome back, Hobbs Kessler. All right, and now we welcome on Hobbs Kessler, world champion, world record holder, 348 miler. I mean, that sounds so different from the first time we ever did a podcast together back in 2021 when you still hadn't even signed your pro contract with Adidas. You were still just like that high school star out of Michigan, and it's been really cool to see. Uh, So, I mean, like, has it hit you sort of just like how fast all the success has been coming? It's been you're in year almost year three of being a pro. It's felt a long time already because um I don't know. Been through a lot of new experiences, but I, I remember when I was on the podcast last, I told you I'm not going pro no matter what. And then I signed like two days later <laughs> and I believed you when I said it too, but um, yeah, I mean, it's been exciting. A lot of ups and downs, but uh, we're learning from all of them. So, yeah. So I guess that's the biggest thing I want to unpack with you is just how much you've learned in this 
short span of time. And initially, I, I guess, right, when you turned pro, you were still planning to stay uh, in Flagstaff and work with Coach Mike Smith, but then things kind of changed. And now you've been with Ron Warhurst and, you know, you're also working closely with your dad. Uh, and you're still in Flagstaff while most of the very nice guys are out in Michigan. But what do you remember, I guess, about that first pro summer being the high school kid going up against these pros? It was a stage that like would rattle so many people. And you still, I remember what trials 21, you made the semifinal, right? I was pretty rattled by the end of it though. I, it was, um, I was a little out of bandwidth by the end of my senior year. I kind of like, I just want to be done running for a little bit. Um, cause there was just so much so quickly that I was just like uh, overstimulated, I guess would be the word. Were you nervous at the Olympic trial start line? Because I'm trying to draw sort of like these comparisons now where you're still 20, you turn 21 next month, but seeing you on the starting line and even the day before at the Milrose games, like you were confident. You're like, you're in your fitness and the fact that mm -hmm. it's like, no, no, now I'm an established pro. To be honest, like, I don't think I was ready to go to the Olympic trials. Um, I, I was fine through the first round. And then um, I just remember, like, some point that night, I was just, like, I just, like, hit a wall. Like, I was just, like, I have, like, nothing left to give. It was such a like, big, exciting year. Like, I, I, I went from, like, I guess, like, being a 420-miler to, to signing a professional contract. So it was it was really um, – it came at me faster than I could kind of process it. So, I, yeah, that, that, was, uh, that was hard. But – I think uh, now I'm feeling more confident. Each one of these years, it's not like every single year has been like, oh, after you turned pro, the downs were all that bad. Because I had to go back to remind myself, like, what was 2022 like for you? And that indoor season, you were running a bunch of personal bests. And the outdoor season, like, you got down to 336 at the pre-classic. And then, you know, even you ended the season with, like, a 358 outdoor mile PR when you mentioned downs what are some of those downs I guess in the last two years I would say I, I mentally I was set up for failure that year um just because everything had gone perfect in, in 2021 right and you just kind of expect to build off that um and in, in reality that's not really how progress works and um there's gonna be bumps and and you could be a better runner the results not might speak for it or like there's a lot more I had to navigate that year. So it, it just like wasn't as smooth or pretty as I, I was hoping. I was like, oh, I'm going to like make the team and run through. And it's just like it's just like going to be infinite success. And um, like it, it, it didn't take me long to realize like that's not how this sport works. And um, like the biggest hip, hiccup was I got my first injury ever um, at the end of indoors that year. And that really um, was challenging. I'm kind of glad that that time's over and then, and then slowly built up fitness and then kind of like bonked again. Cause like it wasn't real fitness. It was kind of like fake fitness. And then it was just up and down and up and down and ended with like a 345, 1500. Um, I had some good performance in there too, but it, it, it was just a really big year of learning. And I made a lot of mistakes that everyone I think has to make. Um, and so I got those out of the way. Uh, I'm not going to make them again, but it, it was just a big growth year, but it set up the success I'm having now. But I'm thinking more about like the people in your corner, right? In 2021, Nick Willis was like the biggest 
you know, and the most vocal person in your camp that was like Hobbs Kessler is like the next big deal. And he, you know, ran that mile with you indoors. And, you know, he saw this potential a long time ago. Who are, you know, aside from your dad and Warhurst, who are the people in your circle who help you get through those low points and have instilled this confidence in you? There's too many to name. Um, a, a bunch of training partners that have been huge influences on me. Um, just other people that I've kind of consulted with. Um, Pat Henner is a, is a, has been a really big influence and a really big help. There's been a lot of people and um, I, I've been really fortunate to have it. I mean, and Nick and all those guys are, are still really, really involved. So. So we're a couple of days removed from you running 348 for the mile. The second American to break 349. Now you sit at number two on the all-time list. And we chatted off camera, you know, the day before. And you were talking about how good you felt, you know, in that 333 race just the week before in Boston, where you beat 2022 world champion Jake Whiteman. What were the signs along the way in training leading up to that race? Because you open up basically with a banger. I, uh, once I started training, I didn't, I didn't miss a session or a day or anything really. Um, so I, I kind of got confidence through cons the consistency and I just kept being fitter and fitter and fitter. Um, and then kind of in the month of January, like that's kind of the danger zone, like right before you race, cause you're fit, you have a really big work capacity. Um, and you really want to prove to yourself you're fit. So, uh, I was really lucky to have a lot of really good guidance. Kind of, we were really cautious, didn't only did a few kind of specific sessions. Um, and so like, I knew I had it in my legs and I also knew I didn't, I didn't use it in the workouts, which is a mistake I've made in the past where I'm like trying to prove fitness to myself. And I just, I just leave um, my race in the sessions. So the consistency combined with um, just like the confidence and the training philosophy, um, but you never know until you race really. So uh, it, it was still a little nerve wracking because I, I was expecting all these good things to come. Uh, but again, you never know, like training's not the, not a perfect indication of race readiness. In January, what's happening in Flagstaff where it's sort of, we see what Nico Young did, you know, at the NAU track going sub four there and then how it translated. Yeah, that was sweet. <laughs> you were there for Watching that? that? Yeah. Yeah. We were, uh, me and Bryce and a bunch of other people went and watched and it was incredible. He, um, he just looked like he was going faster and faster. Uh, it was really cool to see. And that track is terrible. It's so slow. So forget about the, I don't care about the altitude. I don't know if I believe in the conversion, but the dome conversion for that track, I think is where the time gets cut. So in, in January, the dynamic of the very nice track club and the training group that you're with, like we do start to see some really good performances being thrown down. Obviously Ben and Morgan hit the Olympic standard in the 5k and now you mentioned Bryce Hopple, who has been training with you guys and not officially a hundred percent part of the group. He's still got like his own coach guiding him, but you know, he matches up in workouts with you. What does it look like then where you've got these two guys who have gone under 1305 for the 5k and you've got a world championship fourth place finisher to drop down and do some of the faster stuff. So where do you fit into all of these workouts? I didn't really, um, get to do a ton with Morgan. Unfortunately, we were kind of on, on different plans and um, just have some different philosophies about training overall. So uh, Ronnie, we kind of have the freedom to train, train how we see fit. So I, I got to do a session with him once a week and um, was able to keep up with him on, um, 
on, on all the strength work, which is, which is great. Cause I mean, he's in, he was in 13 flat shape. Um, and, and I trained a lot more with Bryce. It, it definitely tells me I'm not an 800 guy. Um, being able to keep up with these established, really good runners um, was definitely definitely a, a confidence booster. But again, I, I've really been trying my best not to um, gain too much confidence from from any specific session, and especially from beating up on on training partners. Um, more more just like the consistency and trust in our in our plan. But it, it yeah. What do you mean you're not an 800 guy? You ran 145.8 last june yeah but i mean like you should, like i'll be running hills with bryce and like it it's incredible i i don't have the whatever whatever the talent is for it not for, like i think i could maybe run 144 in my life but bryce is run 143 low with potential to run 142 it, it, it's another level um it's it's pretty incredible <laughs> So on Saturday, when Kyle and I see you at the armory, you tell us a little bit about just like how different, you know, the training has been a couple weeks ago when I talked with Ben Flanagan on this podcast, he revealed that it was like when you guys tried to get Ronnie to open up a bit more to the ideas that, you know, most are very prevalent in training now, double threshold and all this, you know, sciencey stuff, whereas Ronnie is super old school you've been the guy in the group who's kind of led the charge of like, no, we should be doing some of this more modern stuff. And then, you know, on Sunday you tell, you know, the people in the mix zone that like you described it as bro science and that you haven't done a run longer than seven miles yet. You're still getting up to 75 to 90 miles a week. So how did this whole thing come about? Ronnie's like, he's pretty hands off. Um, and, and as he's gotten older, he's, he's gotten more and more hands off. So uh, his athletes really have freedom to kind of explore um, whatever philosophies that they want. And um, I, I've really um, kind of taken advantage of that and, and really tried to understand um, how to make myself as good at running the 1500 or as good of a runner in general as possible, um, which it's been a lot of experimenting on myself with seeing what works, seeing what doesn't. Um, and a lot of just talking to really smart people about, um, about, about how to kind of develop a system that, that really works for me. And um, I, I was doing a little bit in 2023, 2022, but um, ever since maybe August last year, I, I've really, um, really gone after it. And I've really kind of gone deep into um into training it and figuring out what works. Um, and I just learned and learned and learned. And we're getting to the point now where I'm feeling like we're developing a system that really works well for me. Uh, and it, even if it's a little unorthodox. Yeah. So when Hobbs is deep into his research, what does that look like? Where are you looking? Yeah. I mean, without giving away all your secrets, I guess. Yeah. Oh, I, nothing, nothing too secret, but, um, the, the best resource I've found is just talking to coaches and physiologists and, um, and other athletes. Um, cause there's a lot of really smart, thoughtful people, um, uh, asking them questions, consulting and, uh, and then experimenting on myself, seeing what works and then just learning basic physiology. I, I don't know too much, but, um, I, I know enough to have a, have a basic understanding of stuff. 
The presenting sponsor of the Sidious Mac podcast is Olipop. You know we've been pounding Olipop for over a year now. 2023 was a track season to remember, and Sidious Mag was able to be there for all of the big moments thanks to the incredible support of Olipop. What has become known as the Runner Soda isn't just a great companion for pregame shows or post-race shows, or if you're just watching at home and want to crack a can of Olipop open yourself, it's good for you too. It's a prebiotic soda with 9 grams of fiber, which is 32% of your daily needs, that only has 2 to 5 grams of sugar and helps your digestive health in a way that a threshold workout never could. We love it because there are 15 incredible flavors that will keep your body refreshed and ready to go for the next workout. My current favorite is Lemon Lime. Caitlin Tui's number one flavor is Ginger Lemon. There are other great flavors like Vintage Cola, Tropical Punch, Orange Squeeze, Cherry Vanilla, and I'm hearing rumors of another one coming soon. City Mag podcast listeners get 25% off non-subscription orders by using code Sidious25 at checkout at drinkollipop.com. You can also find Olipop at Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, Target, Walmart, Publix, and most recently, they just got added to Costco, so pro tip there. Next time you're looking for a refreshing and healthy drink after that long run or hard workout, reach for an Olipop. You won't be disappointed. Drinkollipop.com, code Sidious25. What were you like, I guess, was last summer or two summers ago, your first summer in Europe? And like, that's where everyone's at. Like, you know, the new regions are out there. And so you get to see them, you know, before a meet or whatever it might be. Yeah. And you're exposed to some of the at in Leuven and places like that. All the Americans and the Brits, you know, they all go and they train in the same track. Everyone's sharing this. Are you just sponge at that point? Just kind of like absorbing everything around you and asking questions to these pros is like, why do you do this? Pros and coaches and everyone. And then um, it, it kind of really started uh, like, I, I don't know, like kind of getting a basic understanding of it and then um, understand the science a little more and just experimenting and, and seeing what sticks. Um, Cause like the, the training theory is great, but you also have to, execute the training. So figuring out the best, the most effective ways to execute it. Um, and, and yeah, I, again, I, I've had like a, a lot, a lot of help, um, with it. Explain the seven mile thing. Why aren't you going eight miles? Why, like what's, what's the point of that? Because it, you're still doubling. Big believer in the, in the doubles. Um, my whole career, I, I was basically kind of doing eight miles in the morning for at night. Um, the, the only problem is I, uh, I would kind of bonk a lot of days, um, I don't know, five, six, seven miles into an eight mile run. And I, it just kind of, they started kind of feeling like obstacles. And I just started experimenting around with what are some other ways to split up mileage to make it go down easier. Um, so I kind of landed on, I was just doing six in the morning, six at night, most days. And it, it felt like I never really had I don't know, it never was really an obstacle. It, it, it went down easy, like not that much mental stress, not that much fatigue. Um, and then I slowly kind of was able to turn this 12 mile days with two, six mile runs into 13, 14 mile days. And um, I've, I've really noticed a difference in the, just the recovery I get, I get from it. I feel like it's just less fatiguing and I get the same, um, same basic volume. And especially now that I'm, I'm running quite a bit higher volume of quality, it, it just really helped keep my easy days easy. So I'm, I'm a big believer in it. A lot of people aren't. Um, I'm sure there's um, there's cons to it, but 
so far it's been working out. I'm pretty bought in. If we ever see like a USATF like 12K or 15K championship because it's longer than seven miles, then Hobbs Kessler will definitely not be on that starting. <laughs> Too long. <laughs> Too long exactly. of a race. Um, so then that that covers the volume, but then speed wise, what are you doing to close as hard as you did during this mile race, you know, and, and in, uh, in Boston as well. There's kind of four parts to it. Cause I, I felt like I, my kick wasn't where I wanted it the last couple of years. Um, the first thing is I started working with Pat Henner really closely. He's really big into coaching 800 meter runners. Um, and we started taking speed development really seriously. So, Twice a week, I'm, I'm doing um, hard, structured strides. They're normally pretty short, but um, it'll look like, like he does everything in, in 40-meter increments. So, so it'll be like 40 meters, 80 meters, 120 at 15 pace, 40, 80 at 800 pace, and like 3 by 40, 400 pace down to close to max effort. So, And then some mechanics things in there as well. Um, so that that's really helped. I've gotten my like raw 40 time down um quite a what bit so what just, is it now just the raw, compared to the, the nfl players <laughs> well it's 440 meters with a roll so it's not exactly comparable but the fastest i've run is 4-1 um hand, hand time but not by me um so i i, I want to get under four eventually for it but um it's been progressing really nicely um and then the strength work is another big piece just doing more um more mileage and more quality mileage the more I guess you could call it threshold or whatever your definition is. Um, but I've, I've really um, bought into kind of like, I guess you call it the Norwegian model of, of a higher volume. And I, um, I find I, uh, I respond well to it. So I, I feel that keeps me fresher. It, most milers I think can run a 36 second, um, 300 meters, but it, it's a kind of a matter how, how fresh you are at 1200. So um, my max speed is better plus some fresher. Um, the other piece is like the hill work. I, I think just, you get strong hill, between hill work and lifting, your legs get strong. Um, you learn to generate and buffer lactate really well. It's just a great tool. Um, and the hills, I, I've done a lot more hill volume than I have in the past. Um, and I, I think they really allow you to get a lot of good work in with less beating up on your legs a lot less. So the recovery is a lot faster from it, even though you're um, still getting the same like metabolic training stimulus. So more quality in that department and then less quality, um, less, a lot less, um, like pace work, um, 1500 meter, 800 meter pace work, um, between the strides and the threshold and the Hills, uh, we just haven't done much. I only did two, uh, two specific sessions going in, going into Boston. And one of the ideas that was kind of presented to me is like one, one, once, uh, well, first of all, it's like, if you get your strength and get your speed, like both ends, every, it, it raises everything in the middle. So I, I really bought into that. And then just didn't think I really needed much, um, too much work. I didn't want to leave my races in the, in the sessions. So, uh, I, I just, I don't think I wasted my races in the set and I had, I had the gas left. I didn't, I didn't use it in training. So that's, that's the last piece. Okay. Now we've nailed volume, speed, the race tactics now that's a whole side of it too where it's sort of like all right if we look at 2022 and 2023 Hobbs Kessler there'd be moments where in a race if things 
went awry from what your initial race plan would have been, you kind of got into panic mode and, and the race would go off without you. I'm thinking USA's last year. And yeah. so now in these past two races, you've done a better job of asserting yourself and knowing the place that you, the places you want to be. How have you fine-tuned your own sort of race savviness? It's still kind of a work in progress, really. Um, I, I, I have made a lot of, a lot of mistakes. I think um, tactics are a lot easier to mess up when you're not in shape. So I don't think I was in the shape I wanted to be in the last two USAs. Um, so you really have to be spotted with tactics. So I, I was neither in shape nor spot on. Um, the last two races were, I just got behind the rabbit. So there wasn't a ton of, um, a ton, a ton of tactics. It's something I really want to get better at and uh, I'm working on, but, um, I don't, I don't know if I've perfected it yet, but I, I am kind of getting better instincts. And it, I think you really have to, um, maybe you can like by watching races and stuff, um, you, you can learn a little bit about patterns, but in my opinion, until you develop those instincts, like, like it's like everything's so easy in hindsight, I guess. Like um, you kind of got to know like, all right, we're going up to the bell. You got to fight for your spot, which is something I didn't do well this weekend. And hopefully I'll, I'll learn and know next time. All right. People want to be on the shoulder of Yared with 200 meters to go. Don't let George Mills around you. And that's something I did. Hopefully I won't do again. Um, just need more practice. There's no shortcuts. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask sort of, Specifically in this Milrose Mile, how did you? It was the plan as easy as just all right. I'm gonna stay on yard, get dragged to as fast of a time, and try and close as hard as possible to beat him, whether that is in the last 200 meters. But that's where he made his big move the last two years. Uh, that that was exactly the plan. I don't think um, it was no secret what, how the race was gonna play out. Um, yard wanted the world record. He was vocal about that. He wasn't like he was gonna want to take the pace. Did a tiny part of you think, you know what? I could get it too. Um, I just wanted to win the win the thing. Um, and I actually pretty proud of my fitness there. I I really think um if I if I had done a little bit better job, kind of being more um aware around 250 to 150 to go and just gotten up on yard shoulder, um, I, I could have really been in contention. I don't know if I would have won yards really good. <laughs> But he also had to do 800 meters of really hard work. So who knows? Um, but hopefully I'll be in position next time. I, I'm loving this little mini rivalry. I think that you and Yara could start up because it's like been two, pretty one sided so far. <laughs> I don't think I've ever beaten him, but, but at the I'll same time, it's, it's getting intriguing where you go to the road mile championships and you win the gold medal, you break the world record, you set this time. What is it again? It's 350. Uh, next point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he gives it a scare in Honolulu. You're in the same race, kind of having to defend that. Then in this one, now you got you've closed the gap on him a little bit. So you know it's just so funny because it's the two guys who would probably not talk trash to each other all that often. But <laughs> I'm liking the the back and there's no back and forth yet, but. There could be, um, and we get another <laughs> shot at it, I guess, at, at USA's. How are you feeling for USA's? Because this is where the tactics are going to come into play. It's not about, you know, the fast times. Yet, you know, the fact that maybe you, Cooper, and Yard are in the same race, 
that could be fast just because the talent is there. I would consider Yari a good friend. And um, I, he's like, he's a phenomenal runner. Like I, I've got nothing but good things to say about him. I don't know. I thought I had him in Hawaii for about 10 seconds before he came flying by me with like 30 meters to go. But um, hopefully I'll get him soon. Uh, USA's will be, a, I'm excited. Uh, I'm nervous. Like I've never raced a, a non-paced race indoors, at least. I don't think so. So um, that's it'll be right. A good wow. Um, there's a lot of like a bunch of really experienced, good runners in there. So I'll, I'm excited. It'll be a great learning experience. And um, I'm, I'm feeling confident in my fitness, but uh, it's, it's still like, there's a lot of moving pieces. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm nervous. It'll be good. I guess like another thing too, is just sort of like, you know, there's obviously going to be people out there who are like, he's running too fast for February. How do you kind of strategically keep these peaks in line so that, you know, the biggest time to peak is going to be the trials and, you know, hopefully from there you make a team and then you can give your best at the Olympics. It's very strategic. The U S doesn't do anyone any favors by having the Olympic trial system. I would say I'm really fit. I don't know how peaked I am. Again, I didn't really do that much specific, um, race pay stuff. I guess what you consider sharpening before this, I'm kind of beginning to think it, I don't think it's super, I think, I think it's a little bit um, less is more situation with it. So mostly like I get 90, 95% of the way there off like strides, threshold work and Hills and just basic mileage. So I'll, I'll definitely detrain a little bit, take some time down um, after, after whenever my indoor season in indoor season ends, hopefully that's after indoor worlds, but um. And, and then go back into base training again. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm really ever that far off from, from being sharp though. So, or race ready, I should say. Are we going to see you in a 5k outdoors? Uh, not this year. I don't think, uh, next year. I, I, I would like to run one. Um, if you're but, beating up on two guys who've given 13 minutes a scare, like, yeah, I mean, who knows? Like, um, I would, I would really like to, but, uh, I think, because you've never run a 5K. No, I mean, I've only ever run two 3Ks. Um, and I'm definitely way more on the strength side of things. Yeah, at, at some point, I would uh, I would like to, but I, I don't know if it's going to fit into this year or not. We'll see. I think to be a great mile, you have to be a great 5K guy and a decent 800 guy these days. Though, like, you got to, I don't know, what the, like, you have to be able to run like 1310 and 144. Um, and if you can't do both, you got to be able to run like 143 or like 1255. Like it's, it, the level's gotten really crazy. Yeah. I was about to say, you said 1310, 13, feels slow in that scenario. <laughs> well, I, if you, for a 144 guy, it's pretty quick. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, quick, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> milers, you got to be good at both, you know, 1310 gets to you 10th place in like the third fastest section at BU nowadays. Uh, yeah. I don't want to. What if, what, all right, here, like, give us a hot take, Hobbs. What if the Milrose uh, mile this past weekend was run at BU? How fast would you guys have run? I've only raced there once. Um, and I, I don't, to be completely honest, I don't mean to discredit anyone's performances there. You don't believe it. <laughs> but I, I, I don't like that track. I, um, I think it's a little bit of a, a glitch in the, or like a, a cheat code, especially for NCAA qualifying. Um, uh, Okay. Like uh, one of the physiologists that I'm really close with and a really good personal friend that he wrote a whole, um, Jeffrey paper Burns. On, on, yeah, Burnsy. Yeah. Wrote a, a whole paper on it. Um, I don't know. I, 
I, I'm really happy it wasn't at BU. I, I, would, I would take my 348, not at BU, compared to a 347 or 340, whatever it would be at BU. Um, I like that take. Um, all not right. Not to discredit anyone, though. The track doesn't run for you, so you still <laughs> you still got to be really good. Okay, to kind of close things uh, off, the last um, last couple questions I've got for you may have gotten interesting, I guess, obviously, since the last we've had you on the podcast. First is, what's your favorite race that you've ever run? It's definitely pretty tied to how you run. Um, I mean, that's no space. All the races I run good in are awesome. Oh, come the, on. The Give me one. Is it Riga or is it is it this past weekend? I mean, Riga felt good. I, I was really having like, it just felt like nothing was working and nothing was clicking in. Um, that felt, I'll get, I'll give it to that one. That one felt good, um, to end my year on a, on a win like that. Um, and like, I, I, uh, I kind of like, I went and like, I was like, well, we're, uh, we're going for it now. So like, it, it was such a great feeling because the finish line kept getting closer and closer and I kept waiting for people to start blowing by me. And then all of a sudden I'm like 30 meters away. I'm like, oh, I really hope they don't go by me now. Um, so I'll give it to that one. What'd you spend the world record bonus on? I don't, I don't haven't, I don't even know if I got paid it yet. Um, I, what do you it, plan on spending it? Uh, some, hopefully something way in the future. <laughs> All right. Grow smart. A little bit. Maybe I, I, I'd like to end up getting a house in Flagstaff at some point. So uh, if you could go towards a down payment, that'd be pretty cool. Smart move Hobbs. Uh, all right. If you could go back now, let's give, Past Hob Kessler, today's fitness. What race would you go back and rerun? That's a good question. Um, either of the USA's. Um, I really want, really would like to make a team. Those last year, so I think I'm in the. If if I was in my current fitness, obviously, like it feels like year after year. Obviously, 2021 they ran so good. That would have been a hard team to make. I think I could have made the previous two in my current fitness. Again, this year is going to be hard to make. So, yeah. USA's. I mean, this week, this weekend in Albuquerque, it could be a little preview of, you know, the U Olympic trials. If it's yeah, yeah. Cole, Cooper, Yared, you, and then like there's just like 10 other a lot guys. Of other good are, runners. Yeah. Prakel, Ingles, like all great runners. So, yeah. Um, final question is all right. So, we acknowledge that. Hobbs Kessler 2021 was nervous on the starting line before going up against the pros. What is 2024 Hobbs Kessler tell himself before he, you know, he, when, when he's in the call room or getting sent to the starting line, what are those final things that you tell yourself? Because I'm sure like other people can, you know, find some inspiration in it, I think for their own racing. This is something I've, I've really been working on actually. Um, Cause I, I hate the call room. It's so scary. Um, and, and for the longest time, I, um, I thought like my definition of mental toughness was like being in the car room and not being scared and not being nervous. Um, and I, as I get older, I think like mental toughness or mental resilience is, um, being scared, being nervous, but knowing you're mentally robust, uh, and you can handle these stressful situations. So, and, and, and trusting your fitness is there. You trust yourself and your instincts. All the pieces are there. It's not going to fail, but it, it, it's okay to be nervous. Um, 
I, I met with the sports psych not long ago and I was really trying to, I'm like, I just want to like, I want to be in the call room and I want to be like the least scared and, and all that. And he's like, he's like, how did it's, it's, we're not, we're not measuring like how, how nervous you're in the call room. It, it's, it's how fast you run. It's okay to be nervous. You can handle it. Like, so that, that that's my, my biggest piece that I've been working on. And the closer the race I get, the more calm I am. Um, just cause I, I trust that the pieces are there, but it, it's always going to be scary. It's no less scary now than it was. And it, as you get better, the stakes keep raising as you get mentally tougher, it gets hard. So it, um, that's the game. That's the sport. <laughs> I'm here for this evolution of Hobbs Kessler because, you know, we need more top American 15 guys that we're going to send to the front lines to battle against the likes of Jakob Ingebrigtsen. Wait, have you, in your career, have you raced Jakob yet? Uh, I haven't. Hobbs Kessler no. still undefeated against Jakob That's right. <laughs> That's right. I think, I mean, American 1500 meter running, I think it's going to be really good this year. It's been good previous, like last year we had two guys in the final. In- incredible. It, this year, I, I think, um, it seems like Cole's been healthy. He ran out of his mind at Melrose. Yari has had a really long, healthy streak. It, the results speak for themselves. Um, and I'll, I'll throw myself in there as somebody who's been consistent, healthy, and um, ready to be on that level. So I, I, I'm excited. Uh, USA. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Hobbs. I appreciate you jumping on. Uh, and best of luck this weekend in Albuquerque at the U.S. Indoor Championships. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to this episode. This episode was produced by Jasmine Fair. I love doing this for you guys, so please do me a favor and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify that helps us grow the show and get even more awesome guests. Let me know what you're enjoying about the show. Make sure you're subscribed or following on your favorite podcast players. Please share this episode with your friends if you think that they'll get any value or inspiration out of it. Let's build this thing together. Visit SidiousMag.com for a lot more. We've got a brand new website with tons more articles, videos, and podcasts. As always, I love track and field. I'm Chris Chavez. See you next time.